0: Welcome to Momentum Church. How many's ever worked towards something? How many's ever had opposition as you work towards something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, my whole life, since I was about 30 years old, has been oppositional when it came to my health. And, and I'll talk a little bit about that today. But but what I want to get into, I want to be talking over the next three weeks on a subject I'm calling Live Ultra. Live Ultra. And so for us to understand, and let me define Ultra. Ultra means beyond what is usual or ordinary. All right? That's what Ultra means. And so putting this together, Live Ultra, Lit. It's the idea of living beyond the ordinary. Living beyond the ordinary. What is ordinary? Ordinary is that which is common, right? That which is common. That which is nothing special or distinctive. And here's the thing about you as God's people, all right? You are special. You are distinctive. Not because of you, but because of Jesus. Jesus, he called you to be the chosen generation, the royal priesthood, as we talked a few weeks ago. God's peculiar. That's unique, that's special, that's not common. And so if we're not common people, why do we settle for common lives? If we're not just ordinary, some kind of something, no, 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 like why do we settle for less than what God has? I want to declare over the next three weeks that you were made for more. Everybody shout more. More. Oh, y'all, come on. Everybody shout more. Almost Pentecostal, almost. Almost, almost, that's a little... no, but we are, and you know, that's one of our mission here, our main mission at the church, we say, is to lead people to more in life through Jesus Christ, amen? And I'm, when I say more, I'm not talking about stuff, I'm talking about substance, I'm talking about what God desires to do in your family, in your lives, in ministry, in business, in not just, just finances, but every area God wants to bring increase, and you all know, as your pastor, I'm not a prosperity preacher, Amen? I like prosperity better than brokenness, but I mean, God's faithful either way. I've seen broke people who walked in more, amen? And I've seen rich people walk in less. But all I'm saying is that God doesn't want us to just be satisfied with common, with ordinary. He wants to do something unique and distinct in our lives. Too many of us in this room, we've lived lived broken but we don't take the steps to come out of the brokenness. We, we've lived defeated, but we don't learn the keys to walk in victory. Too many of us have lived an existence less than what God has intended for us. And guys, I'm not here pointing at you. I got three coming back at me. I have lived this reality all too well on my own. Living below God's desire, living below God's intention for my life, And and today what I want to do is I want to get into this because I'm not preaching this series because I've arrived. Amen? You're like, oh, I know that, Ross. (laughs) Shut up. It's not that bad. I'm not preaching this series because I arrived. I'm preaching this series because I survived. Amen? I, I got through some of those obstacles and some of those things that were holding me back so, so tightly. And to be honest, when I, when I get into today's talk, I, there's no way i me not being able to just kind of share about my life, all right? And you all know, I am a pastor that wants to preach exegetically. Guys, that means I want to take the word and break the word down. How many know we love the word of God in this house, don't we? Yeah, yeah. We don't want just three points in a poem and stay away from scripture, amen? Amen. Um, I like eisegesis, that's where we take the text and we read from the text what God intends for it to mean to us today and we apply it. We don't, I said exegesis, I meant exegesis, where we read from it. I don't like eisegesis where we just read ourselves into the text all the time, amen? And worst case, and you guys know this is at my heart, I hate (laughs) rasegesis. I do, unless it's Ross and Jesus, I love that. but Ross and Jesus, I don't like. I don 't want to be the center of something. Does that make sense? But I can't preach this, this sermon today at least, without just bearing my heart to you guys and just kind of telling my story. Is that okay? Because I was not living ultra. I was living in a place where I had settled and I was defeated. I survived years of addiction. I survived years of poor choices. Years of begging God for change and being begged by my wife for the same. But I just wouldn't let go of what was holding me back. So let me tell you about my story. As a little kid, I was super athletic, you know. I loved sports. And I was a kid that would climb the walls and climb trees. And I learned how to dive roll. And I could, like, literally, at like seven, eight years old, I could dive roll off of our little shed onto this like sloop, slope, and roll out of it, and I just was like this little athlete, and then puberty hit, and mother hit, as far as mom just giving food like left and right, and, um, and man, everything shifted, and next thing I got chubby, I was a little chubby kid, you know, you know you know, what I'm talking about, the little chubby kids back in the 70s, you know, we had those corduroys, you know what I'm saying, husky pants, you know, uh, And um, man, but then through high school, I got into sports again and and was lean again and everything was cool, married Amy. And and, um, when I was 24, she got pregnant with Adelie. And I'm a good husband. How many good husbands we have here? Raise your hand, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey baby, what are we craving today? Because I'm a good husband. We crave an ice cream, aren't we? Okay, I'll go get it. We crave an pizza. I'll go get it. We crave a gyro, right? I'll go get two, um, and one for you, too. Um, uh, like, and I put on weight as a 24-year-old, and that was like the first time as an adult, you know, where I went over 200 pounds, and, and I was struggling. And, and um, long story short, I got it back down to around 190, 185, and I was 28 years old, and I broke this shoulder dirt biking, motocross, or or woods racing, and I hit a jump squirrely and broke the ball off my arm, and I climbed back over two again. I got back down to about 190 through exercise and sports, you know. I was playing soccer. I was 31. I blew my knee out, and I climbed up to about 230, and we moved here to Georgia to plant the church, and the church grew, and so did Pastor, (laughs) and I just couldn't stop, and um, I, I think... In the first service we didn't have any pictures because i felt like that was weird like i wasn't gonna do any pictures of me and the tech team they felt like no people that don't know you don't have a clue and so they wanted you to have a clue (laughs) so yeah so that's i was happy i was happy i just couldn't do the things i wanted to do in life at 300 pounds you know and um, that's about four this picture on the right would have been fall of 2018 And I'll I'll get to that part of the story later on today. So let's take those off. All right, yes. So, yeah, that's where I was. Um, (laughs) But here's the thing about it. I would go to food for comfort, why? Because churches don't fire their pastors for being heavy. They do fire their pastors for smoking pot. Not that I would do that. I would do that more than drink, just to be honest. Well, like, don't say that on the air. Jared's gonna be like Ross. I like, don't do. I'm not gonna do either. I'm just saying. I, I've, I've always liked people high more than drunk. You know that's true. You know it's true. You know. But you can't, you'll lose your job, right? You can't, so, so food is acceptable. And so I would go to food for comfort and food would call out to me. You know, I've told you before, burritos would be like, venga aquí, por favor. ¿Tú quieres a, a-, 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 a- mí? Sí, sí. Yo quiero tú. Ah, en mi yeah. boca, ahorita. You know, I want you in my mouth right now. You know, it's like, oh man, that burrito thing. You want me? I want you. Yes, I do. You know, yo necesitas, I need you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mexican food, I love, you know? (laughs) Italian food, I love. Greek food, I love. Polish food? I think you get the picture, right? I had an addiction, you know? I I had a problem. And so, let me ask you a question. This seems like a a hard turn, but it's not. Have you ever had somebody tell you that they were gonna do something or give you something, and then they didn't? It stinks, doesn't it? Like, like, especially when you're a kid, we're going to go to Disney, and you end up in, like, Helen. <laughs> I mean, Helen's not bad, but Helen isn't Disney, you know what I'm saying? It's like, ah, you know, yeah, so you get all these hopes, and then it's gone. You, you know what that's called when they give you a promise of doing something, and then you don't? It's regret, You regret like something's wrong here. How did that make you feel? You felt regret. You felt disappointed. You felt like you couldn't trust them. You regretted ever listening to them. Now let's flip that. I would tell myself I was going to change how I was going to eat. I would tell myself how I was going to start exercising. But year after year, I didn't. I just wouldn't do what I said I was going to do. And you know what happened? I began to live in regret. Ecclesiastes 5.5 says it this way. It is better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. It's better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. Now, obviously, I understand I promise Aaron something, I don't keep it. Aaron would say, Ross, I wish you wouldn't have said that. In light of that verse, that makes sense. But I think there's something internally within yourself. When you tell yourself you're going to do something and you don't keep that promise, you build self, you build regret you build distrust. You, you build a sense of, 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 of disintegrous um, um, thought to, to where the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I wish I could, I can't. Sounds a lot like Paul, doesn't it? This is a battle of all time. I mean, it's like for all times. I mean, this isn't just anything new. And so that, that fighting of doing what you say you're going to do and doing it, man, when we don't, it does something to us. And it robs us of our confidence, I lose confidence. If if somebody tells me they're going to do something and they don't, once maybe, twice, maybe three times, I have no confidence in that person anymore. Do you understand now how self-confidence is built? I'm going to do this and I don't. I'm going to do this and I don't. I'm going to do this. I stop trusting. I start regretting. And I stop having confidence. Dude, I had no confidence in my life at all when it came to food and the addiction that I had to it, all right? So years of regret, and here's the thing about regret. Regret teaches us that choices have consequences. That's what regret, you feel that, oh, yeah, because you look at the choices, and you look at where you're at, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is not what I wanted. I know, but it's what I chose. Now, you say, Ross, I didn't choose that. No, I get that. I get that. I, I, I mean, nobody was putting the, you know, the biscuits in my mouth, you know? I'd have let them. I just feel, <laughs> I, I would have. I was doing it myself, but there was something more. It was control. I was being controlled, you know, by my addictions, right? And so I, I'm, I'm very sympathetic to this, guy. You got to understand, this was a 15-year journey, okay? From 31 years old to 46 when I finally said I got to start turning this around. A 15-year journey, and it's been about a -a four-and-a-half-year journey of turning things completely around, right? So I'm not saying we get to this easily. We don't live ultra easy, amen? It's hard to live beyond the norm. It's hard to live beyond the ordinary. It's hard to live beyond what's common. It's hard to live beyond. But we position ourselves for better consequences when we make better choices. And I'm going to give you one key today, And this is a very simple message today. The next two weeks, we'll start breaking it out. But this is a very simple message. The key, we position ourselves to live ultra. You ready for this? Lean in. By doing what we say we are going to do. All right, God bless you. See you next week. Super simple premise. Very hard to live, amen? Amen. And one of my favorite passages of scripture, I want to look in First Samuel chapter 14. This is the passage of scripture when Jonathan decided he had had just about enough of what was status quo, putting up with the Philistines. He had had just about enough of what was common. The Philistines running their mouth and us over here doing nothing about it but praying. I'm not saying prayer is wrong, but prayer and action is the right response when God says go, Amen. Sometimes God says keep praying, but God was telling them to do a thing, amen? And they weren't willing, the people, but Jonathan and his armor bearers, they're like, man, this is a different day. We're up to something here. And here's what this passage says. It says, one day, every shot one day. day. Uh, You know what day is a good day? Today. Amen? Today's a good day. One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. So they have this thought, I'm going to go, we're going to attack, we're going to take care of the Philistines, our, these guys are over here, we're going to go do this, doesn't tell his dad, because he doesn't want his dad to stop him pursuing his goal, Right? Well, where's the dad? Before Jonathan ever got to the fight, he had a couple oppositions. One of the first oppositions that he had was basically the status quo of all these leaders in his life, these older people. That was, uh, it says here that, 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 I'll just paraphrase it, that Saul and the spiritual leaders, Eli the priest, they're underneath the pomegranate tree with about 600 men, and they're praying. They have the ephod, which is the garment they would wear when they would seek the Lord. What should we do? What should we do? What should we do? God's already told them, don't destroy them, right? But what should we do? They're just praying. And Jonathan and his armor bearer, are like, we, on this day, today, we're going to go do something, you know? And so these people represent the status quo, that which is normal, that which is common. And I'm just going to tell you right now, it is normal for marriages in America to end in Divorce. It is normal for Americans, for us, to live in debt. It is normal for us to have multiple, multiple health issues. It is normal for us. Do you get what I'm trying to get at? That's the norm, but that's not the more that God is calling you to. That may be the norm. That may be the statistical norm. But God has something more. He has something ultra for you. Amen? we got to pursue it on that day. He said, man, let's go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. Let's do something about what's going on right now. They continued to face opposition as they begin to go to the other side. There were two large sharp rocks sharp rocks on either side of the pass that they had to go through to get to the Philistines. And so one of those pass rocks, I'll just read it, one of those rocks in the passes, it says, within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side, like a precipice, and a rocky precipice or crag on the other side. The name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Sine. The one crag rose on the north in front of Mishmash and the other on the south in front of Geba. And so you imagine with me, the sun is shining on this mountain and you have Bozes that is there where the sun shines on it first. It's a higher precipice. That Bozes is called shining. It means shining in Hebrew. And basically the sun would shine on it. Then you have Sina in the shadows of Bozes and that word Sena means a thorn. It's a very pointed precipice. Between those two passes is where a lot of times we live. Is we're trying to get to that place of our victory. Between those two passes, how many's ever backpacked and hiked before? It can be broad daylight, but sometimes you'll go into a deep gully, and it's dark. It's dominated by the shadows. And so you have this past dominated by the shadows that they have to get through on their way to do what they say they're going to do. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy. The last four and a half years weren't easy. There was dark, dominated moments and times in those four and a half years. But you know what I love about the idea of those places where the shadow seems to dominate? Man, the Lord is my shepherd, amen? Yea, though I walk through the of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Amen? Yeah. God's in that shadow, man. He's in the place of opposition. He's there with you, walking and guiding you to that place of greater victory. And so, in the face of their opposition in the coming fight, you can see what happens next. Jonathan makes a declaration, all right? A statement. You know, you got to do what you're going to say you're going to do. Well, you got to say what you're going to do first. Amen? And so Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of those uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor-bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. He begins to speak a thing. Now, what I love about this, it sounds like he has all this confidence. Like, we're going to go do this. We're going to take on those Philistines. But I love that he postures his heart still in a place of leaning into, God, what is your will? Okay? Watch this. He's like, we're going to go do this. It may be that the Lord will be with us. He's not sure yet, you know? I'm not saying you're going to get to your goal, your achievement, the thing you're going after, and the whole time you know exactly what you're doing. I didn't have a clue what I was doing half the time, right? So sometimes you have to take steps forward, you know? I ain't that right, E. You know, I think of E, and, and, and E has a bunch of barbershops. You had no clue what you were doing at first. He's like, no, you know? But man, you took out those steps, and next thing you know, you're figuring it out. And then you can do another and another and so on. It's, a lot of times when you're trying to achieve something, you don't want to take that step today because you're looking so far down the path, I don't know if God will be in it or not. No, no, take this step and trust God's going to show you on the way. That's what they were doing. God may show up here if not. And I'll show you how they tested that here in a second. But, but here's what he says. And his armor bearer says to him, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Heart and soul is the key here. Heart, that's the core of who you are, your passions. And that's awesome. But heart and soul, soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's where we struggle. How many's had passions? I want this. I need this. I gotta make this change. I have to have, you know what I mean? That's passion. That's heart. But we have to put volition to it. I'll be with you, heart and soul. I'm not just in this for the fight. Man, I'm in this with my full will. And my body will follow my will. All right? And so heart and soul, and I'm going to get into that a little bit more next week. And so the core of who you are lined up with your volition, so passion lined up with will, it takes both to be able to take those steps forward. Verse 8, then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. And I love this. Again, I'm not telling you just to come up with what you want to come up with, you know? I can just do anything I want to do and hope God blesses it. mm That's not true. We gotta seek God as he gives us goals, desires, passions, amen? He places in us the desires of our heart. He places. And so they're still filling this out. Behold, we'll cross over to the men. We'll show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has given them into our hand and this shall be a sign to us. So if we get there and they say, your mama, Oh, we're on it. We're like, we're my mama, your mama, you know, and I'm like, we're at this, right? That's what's happening here. But they give a little fleece kind of like, like, Lord, if they tell us to come on, then we know you're going to be behind us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of their holes where they have hidden themselves, that place of the status quo. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. So he gave a declaration, but the next part of this is action has to follow declaration, right? They had to add action to what he was saying, and that's exactly what they did. Remember, action's important. Why? Because we position ourselves to live ultra by doing what we say we are going to do. Not by thinking about it, but by doing what we say we are going to do. Verse 13. Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before John, Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed them after him. This precipice, this area that he was fighting in, that he was going down in to get to the garrison, it is it is pitched. It's not just a little hike. He's climbing hand and feet, he's crawling up the side of this mountain, basically, to get to the garrison of the Philistines. He is putting action to his words. And that first strike, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, killed about 20 men within, as it were, half a furrow's length and an acre of land. And there was panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled, and the earth quaked and became a very great panic. And if you know anything about the rest of the story, the Hebrews that were in their holes, the the, the, the Israelites that were back here praying under the pomegranate tree. They all started to hear a cacophonic sound of, of, of war, of fighting, and victory starting to happen. And they came to the battlefield and helped finish off the battle. They joined the fight. Man, it's something inspiring when you live your life in a way that you are doing what you say you're going to do. It'll inspire your children, It'll inspire your workmates. It'll inspire the lost people that you have in your life when you begin to do what you say you're going to do. And they rallied and brought defeat to the Philistines. I want to do a little parenthetical insert of my teaching today before we finish just because I can't go forward without speaking to this um, a little bit. The conflicts going on with Israel still are mounted today. Why? Why? Because they're God's chosen people, you know? Like, like I'm so thankful for that, that, that Judeo-Christian foundation that we have in our faith as Christ's followers. We can't separate ourselves from that, amen? He didn't do away with it. Pastor Corey spoke about that last week with Tabernacle. We didn't do away with it. He brought fulfillment. And so today, our hearts are heavy because of the attacks that took place last Saturday in Israel. And those attacks will happen whether land is ever given to the Palestinians or not. Why? Because they don't want land. They want genocide. Period. Amen? And so my heart's heavy, especially seeing the day that it was chosen to do the attack, It was the last day of Sukkot, the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. I've taught you before, that Feast of Tabernacles is the celebration of God's faithfulness during the 40 years of wilderness wandering. And on the last day of of Sukkot, that that Saturday, you celebrate something called Simchat Torah. Simchat Torah is just a day of joyous celebration over the law, over the word, over the Torah. We would say the Bible, right? And they literally, in the synagogue, they will dance that's pretty good. They will dance and celebrate with the Torah. They bring it out and they celebrate God's word. It's one of the most joyous days of the year. And they knew, Hamas knew, that the phones would not be brought to synagogue. It's a, it's a Sabbath day, number one, but it's a very hot, holy day that the phones are left away, communications left away, back at the home. And so in that darkness, digitally, the attacks began. And now, can you imagine being here today in church and you start realizing somebody runs to the door and knocks, you got to get home, get to your phones, this is what's going on, just heart crushing, and so as a church, um, I want to take some time, if we can, just right now, and pray for Israel, can we do that, and then I'll get back into teaching, but when I was studying for the sermon, I just was like, man, the, the, the I know the Philistines aren't, um, the Philistines aren't um, um, semitic they're, they're not a Semitic people. The Philistines were most likely Aegean. They were most likely Greeks that settled there. Um, so I know it's not, I've heard people try to make the case, you know, they're still battling the Philistines. No, I'm sorry. Like, that's just not DNA. Um, it's not accurate, okay? But they still represent people that were supposed to be dealt with, right? And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just lift up brothers and sisters, Lord God. <clears throat> just people that are believers. I have friends in, in Israel, missionaries who are Christ followers. We lift them up to you right now. We ask, Lord, that you would protect, Lord, for the Jewish people there in Israel. Lord God, just come and bring healing. A balm of Gilead rest upon their hearts. Bring healing to their hearts through this, God. Give leadership wisdom in their country, in our country. Lord God, give wisdom and discretion and, 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 and just show those next steps that need to take place. To continue to bring forth a fortress around Israel, I pray, God. I thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. Um, Going back into the teaching, obviously, my story doesn't have the weight of the victory of the Israelites over the Philistines, and it definitely doesn't have the weight of the current climate of, 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 of war going on right now, but I will say this. My story, it carried a lot of weight for my family. And it carries a lot of weight for the future, you know. Um, Because I just wouldn't do what I said I was going to do. That was really my story. I just wouldn't do what I was going to say I was going to do. And if I continued the way I was going, I don't know if I would have made it to 55. You know, I'm just being honest. My feet were starting to feel tingly. Scared me to death. Went and got the test. Blood test. Then we go to the doctor, because if you go to the doctor, you actually got to do something about it, right? So I go get the blood test, and yeah, my sugar was a little high. Ooh, you know? There was times where I'd fill up my chest. Amy and I, even when I was heavy, I still backpacked, and we'd be backpacking, and things would start to get dark as I climbed a hill, and I'd look at my watch. It'd be like 195. I'm starting to black out, and I have to stop and let my, let my vision come back before I passed out. I don't think I would have lived to 60, you know? I think God has some more stuff to do in the next few years, right? But I, no, no, no. So a few years ago, I finally started doing what I said I would do, and I started to get healthy. Um, Amy, she was the one that really pushed on me to do this. And um, you know, hold on, I just feel like I'm, I've, I've lost something. Yeah, I got it. Um, she began to push on me to get healthy that fall, about five years ago, 2018. And she's like, we can't keep doing this. You've got to make change. And so January 2nd came. And I don't know about y'all, how many start resolutions on January 1st? No, always start them on January 2nd. Especially if it's a food resolution. Because January 1st, man, I was going to get my thing on. You know, I was going to eat everything in sight. And so that January 2nd, 2019, I started. I'll try myself again. I'll do this. And man, within a week or two, I'd failed already. And so Amy, she'd been saying all fall, you got to get professional help. And she met a counselor. And we believe in counseling here. I love my therapist. When I sit across from my therapist ever so often, it's like talking to Gandalf. He, he's just <laughs> he's brilliant, you know? And, um, and so I love him. But, but I believe in it. But I knew I didn't need that. I didn't need therapy. I needed help. I needed somebody to show me, okay, this is what you're going to do. Like a coach, you know. And so the reason why I didn't feel like I need therapy, I knew why I went to food. My dad, before Jesus changed my dad's life, was very aggressive. I say aggressive. I should say abusive. But he's just not that man anymore. So it feels so weird not honoring him. But, but it was bad. It was hell growing up as a kid, real little. And then Jesus delivered my dad. But during those dark times... We'd be down, and Mama would say, you want some biscuits and gravy? Oh, Mama, I want some biscuits and gravy. And she'd bring biscuits and gravy. You want some cornbread and beans? And she never, they didn't call it bread, they said compone, you want some compone and bread? How many people from Kentucky, anybody from Kentucky? So Eastern Kentucky, Packville, Kentucky, is where my Mama's from. And so compone, compone, that's like not yellow bread, that's cake, but like compone, that's that white cornbread that you put in your mouth, and every bit of moisture from your toes to your brain just (laughs) goes and sucks right out of your body. You have to eat it with pinto beans, or you die. Like that's the, that's. So mother, she would you know feed us, and, um, and I already think maybe it was the first service. I don't know if I said in this. You know, she'd buy Captain Crunch. Here's a box of Captain Crunch, and my boy, he drinks two gallons of milk a day. I did. Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> I did, and she'd brag about it, and, and so comfort was around food, and, and so I didn't feel like I needed, needed that. I just needed a coach. I need somebody to help me, and so long story short, I got somebody to help me and show me the way, and, and, and I began to lose weight, right? And so a few years later, coming to this year, you know, I'm around 200 and some, low 200s in March, and I thought, you know what? I did not lose this weight to be buried in a skinnier casket. You know, I lost this weight for a reason. Let's see what this old 50-year-old body can do. So I went and I ran, like I said, the first mile on a treadmill on March 6th. And like I said, it was horrible, you know. But guess what? The next day I did it again. And then I did it again. And the next, about a week later, I was like, hmm, I wonder if I could do two miles on the treadmill. And I did it again. And it started, hey, that doesn't feel so bad. And I continue to do that. And then I saw a race advertised. It was this right here. The Blue Ridge Ultra Marathon for October 7th. And I thought, that's about six months away from now. I wonder if I could be ready for that. How far is an ultra marathon? This one was 50K, 50 kilometers, 31 miles to do in under 10 hours. The goal is to be under 10 hours. And so I thought, might as well do this. And I've been learning for the last few years to do what I say I'm going to do. So I told Amy. I said it. I called a friend, Jason Coltus. Hey, Jason, let's do this together. You know? Because feeling with somebody else is always better than feeling by yourself. <laughs> I didn't have a whole lot of hope, but... Next thing you know, we're running and we're doing really well. It's like, hey, we, our bodies are developing. And so we began to run and go on this adventure together. And we had six months to get ready. In April, I went on Facebook. And again, I, I don't want to be egocentric. A lot of the Facebook stuff keeps me accountable. It just does, you know. I'm sorry, I'm an addict, you know. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but I, I need my brain to be in a place of accountability. And so I got on Facebook and said, hey, I'm going to run a 50K. I just put it out there. I said it. So I have to do it. And I did that on purpose. I wanted to speak it so that I would do it. Why? Because I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. And so I begin to progress. And I don't progress super fast, but I go from a few more miles on the treadmill to a little faster on the treadmill. Then I take a little less miles of the treadmill miles and I go on a trail and I would go and I do those miles on the trail. And then I would try to get those a little faster. And I do the treadmill and back and forth. And I start to develop. And it's like, oh my gosh. Everything's going well. By the end of May, my first week, um, I ran in May, my first time I ever running an 8-mile trail run. I ran that and I ran two other times. And somehow on that 8-mile run, I had stepped into some mud and popped my right knee and I was hurting by the end of the week. It was swelling up and I was in pain. So for 5 weeks I didn't run. Why? Bozaz and Sina. The dark Place dominated by the shadows. Those five weeks, it was like, I can't run, but I'm not going to quit. So I did some other things for strength training and getting myself conditioned. I'm, I'm not quitting even with this injury. I'm figuring things out. But you're going to have opposition on the way to your goal. In August, I, in, in, in July, I'm back to running. I'm feeling great. In August, we went and ran our very first half marathon trail run or trail race. And so it was called the Cabra. Isn't that fun? It wasn't fun. One of the most rocky, steep trails I've ever seen. And the first portion, about five miles into this race, it's pretty decent for running, and I'm running about a 13 and a half minute pace, which for me in the woods is pretty fast, and I'm feeling great. I'm like, this is awesome. And I'm coming to this downhill section, and it's runnable, it's not all super crazy rocks, and I'm running down this hill, and a guy says, passing on your left. To which I'm like, okay, I can stop because it's narrow or these rocks over here I can jump up on them and I can just run run down the rocks and jump right back on the trail when he passes me Um, I overestimated my agility (laughs) and I jumped up on two of those rocks and caught my foot and my right shoulder went into one of those stones and knocked my shoulder out of place so I'm sitting on the trail with this ball down here how many's ever had that happen before oh come on I've had it happen more than once, both shoulders. was from dirt biking in my 20s, man. So I knew what I'd done, because I've done it at least six, seven times in my life. So I'm sitting on the trail, and I'm trying to get it like, adjusted. I'm like, okay, it's not broken. So I had the guy lift it and suck back in. Oh. And I'm like, you know what? I don't run with my arm. I can finish this race. And so eight, I had to go eight more miles to finish the race. But I came in, and I wasn't last place. I beat three other people. I mean, one guy was in a wheelchair, but, she, but, but you put a stick through the spoke and you can go right past him, right, right past him. No. All I'm getting at with that is um, it was another injury. It was another setback, you know? Now I'm running, and I'm hurting, and, and now I'm running, I'm fearful that I'm gonna fall and hurt myself. But it's better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. I had made a promise to myself and to my friend Jason and to Amy, I made a promise. I was going to keep it. Remember, it's just a one-point sermon. We position ourselves to live ultra by doing what we say we are going to do. So when you tell your wife that you're gonna work less hours and spend more time at home with the family, do what you said you're going to do, amen? When you say, I'm gonna go ahead and enroll over here at this school and start this program so I can get this degree, do what you say you're going to do. Does that make sense? When you're like, you know what, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna accomplish some feat or some goal, whatever it might be, and tomorrow comes and you don't take some action toward it? No, no, no. Do what you say you're going to do. Now, like Jonathan and his armor bearer, you don't have to do it all at once. They were picking, like, they, were, they did do it all at once, but they were asking the Lord the whole way. They were doing something. They got themselves to the passes. And, they, and then, Lord, if they, if they say, come on up, and then they got a little further, and then finally they're into the battle, accomplishing what they had set out to accomplish. Does that make sense? All right. And so I want to challenge us to to be that way. When you say that you're going to do something, do that. Do what you say and make today the day that you do something in line with that goal. Everybody say today. Yeah, I said one day. It was like on that day, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they said this is the day you've got to make a day and say, this is the day. In my case, when I said I was going to finish the ultra marathon, I was going to do everything I could to do it. I had started to live and own that thought that it is better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. I was going to keep it. Why? Because for years I would not do what I said I was going to do. And I couldn't go back. Baby, I'm going to make changes. My wife, you've seen her, right? Like five foot tall. Like I lost my wife. 125 pounds. I lost, I lost Amy is what I lost, right? She's a little tiny thing. Honey, please, you gotta help. For our family, you're not giving our older children the same life you gave our, I'm sorry, you're not giving our little kids the same life you gave our older kids. If you're new, we have two sets of kids separated by like 10 years, you know? You're not, you're not giving them the same. She would beg. You know, we fast every year in January as a church, and I would do the three-week fast, not eat anything, just drink water. I, there was a time we planted five, six churches in one weekend. I used to be the church plant director as I pastored here for the Assemblies of God. And we launched six churches around Atlanta in one weekend. I fasted 40 days for those churches. I lost 50 pounds in those 40 days. My wife would look at me and say, you'll do it for Jesus, but you won't do it for our family. It was true. I don't know why I could, I could do it for Jesus. I could make that decision in that moment. to like We're doing this but I couldn't go long-term, you know? I wouldn't do it for the family. She was hurting and begging me to change, but in this moment of training for the marathon, it meant more than just the run. It's like, no, I am not going back. I'm going to do what I say. We position ourselves to live ultra by doing what we say we're going to do. I was going to finish that race. I was going to finish what I had started. And you know, I had a plan, See this right here? This was my plan. I put this in my, my running vest, and so what I did is I, my watch has a program, and I put in the the, the race, and it, it loaded the map, and it took the elevation, and it gave me all the splits. I mean, literally every mile, mile one, two, three, all the way down to the thirty-first mile. If I ran an eighteen-minute twenty-second second mile there, that's that that that's when I would be up here. I'm running a, a thirteen-minute mile, I'm supposed to, and so on and so on. And if I did that, I would get done at eight and a half hours. Okay, that was my my big goal, eight and a half hours. So I had my plan, and I get running, and and about two hours into my plan, I pull it out, and I'm like, oh, okay, forget that. That's that's about how it went, you know? I just realized that I ain't going to get anywhere near that plan, but I am going to get all over that finish line, you know? So I I get to the second-to-last aid station, In the first service it was kind of fun because we had... Trudy Simmons over here, um, Dr. Trudy, she's on, I just forgot what's it's called, the Christian View, I think it's called, um, and she's a trail runner and an iron, it's iron man, but if you're a woman, are you an iron woman? How's that? I don't know. She's done all that stuff. And we had John and Lindsay Folden back here, their runners, and they actually volunteered at this event. And so the second to last aid station was their aid station. And I get to it, and I had passed the cutoff st- station um, in time to keep doing the race. But that was about halfway through the race. Now I'm at this spot, and they're like, Pastor, you know what? There's no way you're going to make it. Seven more miles, you're not going to get there by six o'clock. You're not going to get there in the 10 hours. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I feel great. And they're like, no, no, we got water, everything you need. Here's your drop bag, because that's where my drop bag was. So she's like, what in the world is that? It was a tortilla with peanut butter and a banana in it. And it had melted. It looked like a mess. And I'm like, that's awesome. I need that. And so I grab it. What I learned is peanut butter and a tortilla will choke you and you can't run. But you put a banana in with it, it'll slide right down. You, you can just run and just, just big hunks and just almost swallow without chewing. Um, so I take off. I had a headlamp and a waist lamp. I'm like, I'm good. Mitch, Mitch um, Wells, our saxophonist, was our support guy. He was awesome. He only like, massaged my butt twice. He was, no, he, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't massage my butt at all, <laughs> but he was our support guy, and he brought me my, my headlamp and, and waist lamp at an at a, at a aid station, because um, I knew I was going to make it before dark, and so long story short, I'm taking off, I run about another mile, I'm about 25 miles into this race, and um, just a little bit, I think, I think a little before that, or a little, no, a little after that video, and um, a truck drives up to me and says, hey, are you Ross? And he's in the driver's seat, and I'm over here in the passenger side, like, watch, like talk through the window. And this three-mile section before it got to the last four-and-a-half-mile section was, was all gravel forest road, going straight up. And so he catches me on the forest road. Hey, are you Ross? Yes. I'm supposed to take you back. You're not gonna make it in, in under the 10 hours. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I got permission at the last aid station. I didn't tell him it wasn't official. It's was just my church people going, hey, you can do this. <laughs> That's all the permission I needed. He goes, yeah, yeah, but, but, but you, need, you need to, how do he say, he said, he said um, 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 oh, your family's waiting for you down there. Oh no, I've already called my family. I told him I'll be there about 7.15. I'm running like an hour and 15 minutes late. And he's like, yeah, but it's gonna get dark. And I'm like, I got a headlamp in my bag and a waist lamp. I got it, and he goes, I know, but as people get tired, they, they get prone to, and I'm like, look at me, I feel great. <laughs> I said, I feel fine, I'm just slow. A lot of it was I was afraid of falling because I just didn't want to, this arm's getting better now, I don't want to catch myself. I'm just not fast. And so uh, at that point, I just said, look, I used to be 300 pounds, I lost 125 pounds, I turned 50, this 50K is the way I'm celebrating this, this achievement. I said, I may not finish the race, but I'm finishing my race, I'll see you later. And I took off running. And all I could think of was, do I have to tackle me to get me off this course, you know? So I take off running, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and the thing about it is I had six more miles to go at that point. And um, man, not only that, three more climbs. I, I, when I told him I'd be back in an hour 15, I thought it was basically top and then all down. No, it was like down and up and down and really up and down and up and, and then down. And so, um, yeah, so long story short, I'm running. And now because it's taking a little longer, it gets dark. I got my headlamp on. If people have driven with me at night, you know I don't have good night vision, right? So the dew point comes in as it gets cool and my glasses fog and now I can't see and I'm running down the trail, and all of a sudden, I'm like, usually the trail has like grass and bushes and trees, and you can see the trail. It got sparse with just trees, and I'm like, well, that looks like a trail. That looks like a trail. Well, that looks like a trail, too. Everything looked like a trail, and so I'm just like slowing down. Oh, there's the, I finally found the blaze for the trail, so that's how it was running the last hour. It was just slowing me down, trying to get off this thing and not get hurt, you know, and um. Yeah. So long story short, I came out of the woods, and there's 0.75 miles. There's three-quarter of a mile to the bridge where the family's at, where the finish line is. And I felt great. And so I'm running a sub-10-minute mile at my... 31st mile i'm just feeling i'm flying down this thing and i start hearing people cheer and i'm all excited because it's like yeah, i've done it and i'm running at a good pace and i'm not all beat up and i'm flying and, and i'm about there and then i realize it's some house with its porch lights on and they're partying and celebrating people <laughs> so i'm like and i thought the bridge would be there by then and so i'm running and i'm like where's the bridge it's a quarter of a mile more. I'm and so I'm just taking off. So I get there, and the family's there, and they're all celebrating, and um, and I made it in and crossed the finish line. Thirty-one miles took me eleven hours and fifty-nine minutes. Yeah. <laughs> It was fun. Amy, she says to me, she says, you didn't look beat up or anything. There's people coming across the line all like, just, and you look fresh. Mitch goes, well, yeah, because he didn't run half of it. <laughs> Part of trail running is you're not running all of it. You're hiking the hills. You're running the rest. But, but still, it was just like, Mitch is a jerk. <laughs> no, no, he's a good friend. He's been a big support through this whole thing. But I honored my word. And again, I hate this because I told Amy between the services, I was like, "Baby, I just feel I don't. I want to be about Jesus. Jesus got us through all this, you know." She's like, "No, but this is your story. It's okay." But, but um, for years I didn't honor my word. The most simple truth I can give you, key to living ultra, is do what you say you're going to do. You know what's crazy about that? It has turned into something that blesses our life on a hundred levels. Because when I tell Amy. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get that garage clean. Guess what? It gets clean. And when when I tell her, hey, I'm going to do this with the kids, yeah, I'm taking Arden to lunch. I'm scheduling it. It gets scheduled. It's, It's weird how this doing what you say you're going to do starts to affect every area of your life. Does that make sense? It just, and used to, I was a big procrastinator, put things off all the time. You know what I mean? It's changed everything about living ultra. And so it honored my family. It honored myself. It brought that sense of confidence back because I do what I say I'm going to do to myself. I tell myself I'm going to do something. I do it. And it honored, I said, like my family and everything. And they were there at the waiting for me at the end of the bridge. And so finally, in closing, position yourself to live ultra again, doing what you say you're going to do. You'll face hard days. I ran early in the morning. There was times I ran right after work. There was times I had to run 11 at night, but I was going to do what I said I was going to do. I ran when I was at Maxfield field trip at St. Simon and Jekyll Island. I got the boys down in their dorms. I told my co-chaperone, I gotta go run. And I was supposed to run four and a half miles, and I ended up running seven because I don't see good at night, and I got lost. <laughs> but I was so proud of myself. First time, I ran seven miles. Two of which going like, where the heck am I? You know, (laughs) but you got to do it. I went to a pastor's conference, and when it was over, I had to have a run-in. You know, it was just the day I ran, the days I would run. I was supposed to run this day. And so 11 o'clock at night, I'm in the ghetto with a headlamp, running at a park, looking over my shoulder, like, I hope I don't get mugged, because I don't run that fast. I hope I don't get caught, but I have to get my run-in. And then the last thing I'll say, I ran my first half marathon distance while I was at an OPTAVIA, which is a health program. I, 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 I helped me get my health back. I was at an OPTAVIA conference in Atlanta, and I knew that week, and that day was the day I was supposed to run a half marathon. And there was a break of four or five hours between the morning session and the night session. So I took the stuff I needed to change, and the water I needed, And I went and ran on the beltway, uh, 13.1 mile run, ran around Centennial Park a bunch of times. It was this Thursday that was over 100 degrees that day. And man, I I didn't think I was going to make it. And there was people lining up to go back into the conference, and I'm still running. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm trying to run a half marathon. And so the first time around, you know, they didn't say it. The second time around, they asked me. And, um, and I was like, yeah, I used to be 300 pounds. Oh, yay. So then every time I came around, they would cheer more and more and more. And then I got embarrassed. So I, I was like, I'm not going back around that. I'm gonna, I just run around Centennial Park a bunch of times and finish out because I was getting embarrassed by them cheering and stuff. So <clears throat> why did I do all that? Like those just have to do it. Because I was done do- not doing what I said I was going to do. All right. So it's not a super deep sermon but I just want us to, to live ultra. And that might be in your marriage, might be in a business, might be with your faith, I'm going to read, it might be whatever it is. But do what you say you're going to do. How many here right now, there's maybe a goal, an achievement, maybe something you're working on, something you desire, it could be in any area of your life. If that's you, and you want to live ultra in that, raise your hand, let me just see some hands. Yeah, yeah, I think every one of us, you know. Why wait to January 2nd? Amen? Why not tomorrow be your today? Like, like wake up tomorrow, and I'm gonna do one thing toward that goal. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for, oh Lord, I thank you for not just losing weight. I thank you, Lord, for losing addiction. It was you, Lord, you broke that off of my life, and I thank you for continued strength in that, and, and I ask, Lord God, that you would just, um, those that are here, my friends, that have a desire to, to live alter in an area of their life, would you anoint them for it, bless them for it, encourage them for it, on those days that they face the precipice and they go between the dark paths, Lord God, getting to the fight, Lord God, would you let them know you're with them? Would you allow them to sense that you're taking them to a place of victory in their life, Jesus, that you can accomplish all that you intend in them, and through them and for them that they might truly live more because of you, Jesus Christ, that's in their life. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv